I'm Spencer Pulliam, National Scouting and Recruiting Director for ThePrepInsiders.com. And on today's episode of the TPI Podcast, I'm joined by our new Director of Basketball Operations, Jeff Bendel, as we discuss the release of the 2018 McDonald's All-American Game rosters, as well as our updated national rankings for the 2018 class. You can find additional information online by using our hashtag Insiders100. Hope you're enjoying our podcast series. Thanks for listening. Spencer Pim back on a snowy morning in North Carolina. Very excited to have our new director of basketball operations for the Prep Insiders on the podcast. Jeff Bendel, your first appearance. Welcome, sir. How's it going, Spencer? Happy to be here. Yeah, absolutely. We're excited to have you aboard. Still getting situated and finding out exactly what your role will be. But fortunately for us, you're a jack of all trades. So it'll be great to have you on the podcast and to be doing some maintenance on the website, to have you do some content, event coverage, a little bit of everything. Yeah, looking looking to be the all-around guy here. We'll cover the 2018 guys today. Perfect timing as the McDonald's All-American rosters were announced yesterday. And we coordinated that with the update of our Insiders 100 2018. 18 rankings. So this will be, I guess we're, we've got one to the end. We've got one more time. We'll update the 2018 rankings probably towards the end of spring or summer once everybody's signed. And then we'll say farewell to these guys and of course be following their college and pro careers. But I know the McDonald's game is something that we all look forward to every year. We talked extensively about it yesterday once the rosters came out. So give us a little bit of background and kind of take us through. I know you've got some topics you want us to talk about this afternoon as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the game will be hosted in Atlanta, Georgia, after being in Chicago since 2011. So Atlanta was hosted in 1992, and now they're going to be picking up again, which should be uh, pretty interesting for that whole city. And Hotland always gets a lot of crowds, and especially at Phillips Arena where the Hawks play. This is the uh, 41st of All-American games for these guys, and um, I think these rosters are as good as they've ever been. 41 years for McDonald's All-American. That's crazy. So older than me, way older than you for sure. A lot of players and pros, obviously a very historical event. I would have loved to have seen this event last year in Atlanta because of Colin Sexton. You know, Wendell Carter was in the game last year. Georgia has two players again this year. Of course, we'll talk a little bit about the rosters as well. But what was your overall feel on on the rosters in terms of were you pleased with it and any uh, any gripes from you? Overall, I was pretty pleased. I felt like best guys made it in for the most part. I didn't feel like there were too many guys that teetered the line. thought that this is a strong class. It has at least a dozen potential pros in here. And beyond that, I think that they gave the the due diligence to the guys that had earned it, such as like Kobe White, for example, and what he's doing this year for his team in North Carolina. Okay, you guys will get used to this. First homer comment from Jeff right there on the podcast with the Kobe White reference. So Two North Carolina guys on the podcast. Get ready for this in coming weeks. I love it. I love it. It's good stuff. I will say you were too nice. I'll give him a little bit of a gripe here. My gripe is I don't understand the whole East-West deal, right? I mean, I'm looking at the roster now. 
can we not just call this something else? I mean, I don't think we have to call like the quarter pounder and chicken nugget teams, but figure out something where we can <laughs> not have this roster be so unbalanced. If we're, you know, there's every year the talent's going to be dispersed differently throughout the country. You're not always going to have 12 guys west of the Mississippi, 12 guys east of the Mississippi. I don't think you're going to be able to choose the top 24 guys if you did it that way. But, you know, are you, like you've got a Javon Quinterly on the West team this year. Well, let me tell you, Jersey City, New Jersey is about as far east in the United States as you yeah. can get. So pretty interesting. I mean, I never know really how they choose where to send these guys. I, I thought about, you know, I talked with a colleague a couple of years ago about maybe, hey, look, if they're committed already, then you send them to wherever they're going to school. And, you know, obviously, if somebody was committed to Oregon, like a bowl bowl, uh, his works out because he plays on the West Coast. But how about a Lewis King who's going to Oregon, who's in Jersey? You know, maybe you slide him to the West team if you need it. I don't know. I just think we got to get rid of East and West. I think it'd make a lot more sense and maybe do it like the NBA. I mean, who knows? Wouldn't it have been yeah, cool be to, yeah, like let, let somebody vote on it or let the fans vote for the top two games. And then obviously Zion Williamson, Mr. Popularity, maybe Bowl Bowl wins the other one. And then those two get to pick the rosters. That'd be kind of cool. That sounds more entertaining at the very least. Yeah. Let them, let the guys draft. It would be more of an draft their own teams. I love it. I love it. I think it'd be interesting. But anyway, we mentioned some of the guys that are committed. I know there's six guys that remain uncommitted. Some will decide here in the next few days, some hopefully in the next couple of weeks, and some may just drag this thing out to the signing period in April and wait to see how rosters shape up and if guys declare for the draft on current college teams, et cetera. So I'll let you take us through those that list of uh, players, that half dozen group. Yeah, we'll start with number two center in our class, 2018, Moses Brown. What do you think about him? Well, we've got him number 21 right now. We like him. I think there may be some people that like him more than us. Obviously, defensive first guy, offense is going to come. But just a big presence. You know, I don't think he brings quite the defensive potential that a guy like Bull Bull does. But obviously, he's played with a great point guard and Cole Anthony for a couple seasons at Archbishop Malloy. New York guy through and through and played on the Under Armour circuit with New Heights. And so, again, you mentioned he's one of those uncommitted guys. Heavy Maryland lean right now at the Under Armour ties. But uh, we'll see where it goes. And I, I think I read a quote here recently from him that he'll decide in the next month or so. So I'd expect Moses Brown to probably be off the board prior to the McDonald's game. Keep an eye on Maryland for Moses Brown. What about Romeo Langford? Uh, okay, so Romeo Langford's interesting. I've you, There's been all kinds of rumors swirling around him. You know, obviously, we've got him ranked as our number one two guard, top 10 guy nationally on the new Insiders 100 list, and, and he's been there pretty much throughout his entire high school career. Hasn't really changed his status much. Big time scorer out of Indiana. You know, Obviously, you can check out the website. We've got plenty of videos up on him. So exciting young guy to watch. In terms of trying to figure out where he's going to land, there's there's Vanderbilt rumors out there. Indiana as well has been a favorite, obviously. They'd like to lock down their border with their new staff. I, I think the previous staff may have had a better shot at him, but we'll see what happens. Kansas is in the mix, too, so it should be interesting. He is one of those guys I would expect to go a little bit later, opposed to sooner, in terms of his commitment. Sure. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, he's he's kind of been one that no one seemed to have an idea of where he's going yet. What about E.J. Montgomery after his whole falling through with Auburn? It's interesting, right? I mean, obviously, Chuck Person, we found out in October, got caught up in that NCAA scandal right before the start of the college season. So E.J. Montgomery was one of those guys who decommitted to Auburn after being committed. Played with the Atlanta Celtics. So quick background on him. E.J. Montgomery originally from Fort Pierce, Florida. 
played at Montverde as a freshman, transferred in to Georgia, where he's been for the past couple of seasons. So he is a Florida native. You know, you hear the FSU rumors, obviously Florida State, a Nike school. You hear the Miami rumors, Miami and Adidas school. EJ Montgomery played with the Atlanta Celtics on the circuit. So, you know, Auburn was a UA school. Baylor's been thrown out there too. Baylor, a Nike school. But Baylor's not waiting. I don't know if you guys saw this or not, but Flo Thamba just committed to Baylor recently. So they certainly are still working on their front court pieces. So, you know, EJ Montgomery's a toss up. I'd say he stays more localized, Georgia, Florida. So that probably gives you maybe Auburn, Miami, FSU for for him. There's a trio of schools to choose from there. Yeah, Montgomery's going to help out certainly next year wherever he goes offensively. So skilled face-up game. All right, South Carolina, Zion Williamson. Where do you think he'll end up? Oh, man. Well, first of all, we have him as the number three wing on our list, but there's it's crowded at the top. So we've got number five nationally. We can touch on that a little bit. Obviously, he announced through Twitter that he'll commit on January 20th. I think they're going to do something nice for him at Spartanburg Day School. You know, I don't know if you guys have been to Spartanburg Day School before. Very, very tiny. I actually considered going to school at Wofford. You know, grew up a huge Carolina Panthers fan. Wofford uh, used to host the Carolina Panthers spring training. So they were on my list. You know, that's a great way to choose colleges, right? Where does your favorite NFL team have spring training? That's how you choose uh, (laughs) where you're going to go to school. But anyway, not a lot going on in Spartanburg, South Carolina. So kind of a sleepy town. Zion Williamson is no doubt going to be one of those type of guys. Guys who, you know, when you go to Spartanburg, probably 10 years from now, if they don't have a sign already, it'll say Spartanburg, South Carolina, home of Zion Williamson. So I, I'm thinking he's, I'm thinking he stays home. You know, I mean, he's he's been to all the Blue Bloods, took his officials, Duke, UNC, Kentucky, Kansas. Kentucky is always in the mix for guys like this. I think they're an outlier at this point, though. I'm going to go Clemson. I think the Tigers get their biggest recruit by far of the Brad Brownell era and potentially ever. And a lot of rumors last year around Brownell potentially getting fired. He signs an extension through 2021, but it reduced his buyout. Anyway, there's there's a lot going on there to think about from a business standpoint, because this certainly is a business now. But Zion Williamson to Clemson, let's book it, see where I land on January 20th. I tend to agree with that just because I feel like he's really looking to alter a program and kind of take it as his own. And I don't think he can do that with any of the aforementioned Duke, Kansas, Kentucky, Carolina. Anyway, on to Jordan Brown, our fourth power forward. Yeah, as wild as the Zion Williamson saga has been, Zion, like we talked about, chose to stay home. Jordan Brown has done the same thing. He's He's been very quiet about his recruitment. Northern California kid from the Elk Grove area that is actually very under the radar in Sacramento, Northern California, when it comes to producing talent. But Jordan Brown has been Adidas the whole way. Play hard, play smart. Brian Hamilton's organization jumped to Team Arsenal for a little bit. Again, played with Elijah Hardy that's committed to Washington, Nassim Gaskins that's committed to Utah, but stayed Adidas. So, you know, the Adidas team out there is UCLA, obviously a big connection with Compton Magic, uh, even though Jordan Brown did not play with that organization. Cal Berkeley, you know, um, California, the Golden Bears, they're an Under Armour program, but they've been in the mix. So, you know, Jordan Brown hasn't left either. I think he'll stay on the West Coast, definitely be a Pac-12 guy. I'd look for Cal or UCLA on that one. He'll be one to watch for. Javon Quinterly, after everything, his Arizona commitment, where do you see him possibly going now? Yeah, we saw what happened with Coach Booker at Arizona, part of that NCAA fallout. Quinterly had gone out there and committed and then obviously backed off that pledge. You know, some people are thinking Arizona still might be in it, that he could warm up to them once again. You know, Sean Miller, obviously, 
Arizona's history, even going back to Lou Olson as the coach. They've got a history of turning out great guard play, uh, but they did take a commitment from Brandon Williams, who's a great guard, lead guard on the West Coast out of Crespi High School there in, in California. So I'm thinking Quinterly goes where he probably should have gone all along in my mind, and, and that's Villanova. You know, he went out to Kansas and UCLA in September, but I love him at Villanova. I'd love to see him be a Wildcat. I think he'd have a big time career there, and that would just, you know, make their class skyrocket too. And you add a guy like him, he just not a lot of physical tools, but has every other intangible you look for ultimate winner, ultimate competitor, and leader from the point guard position. So count me a fan of Quinterly. I'm going to say that he ends up with Villanova as his selection. That would be a good one. I, I could see Quinterly there for sure. He, he would bring a new dynamic to them. All right. Um, staying with the All American rosters, you said you didn't have, you only had the one gripe. What, do you have any snopes, guards, digs? Oh, we talked about this a little bit before the podcast, just trying to get organized. I really don't. You know, I think I, I saw Twitter just get set on fire every time these rosters or something like this is announced. And there's a million people and there's going to be a million opinions. But I, I thought the selection committee did a great job. I've heard complaints over the past couple of years about, hey, look, you know, McDonald's All-American Games, a bunch of old white guys that have been around the game for 50 years and some of them aren't in the gym anymore. But that being said, I think they got it right this year. I've, I really don't have any complaints. Certainly there's a lot of guys that have great resumes that did not make the game. I mean, you're talking about a, a complete class of players from 50 states, obviously only 24 players. There's going to be guys that feel like they were slighted. I, so there's some notables on here, right? So, you know, you talk about Io, DeSumo up in Illinois commit. Illinois thought they were going to have their first McDonald's guy in, in quite some time after a few yeah. years drought. But, I, you know, I thought he was a borderline guy and just didn't quite make it in there. I thought the guards that were selected ahead of him, quite honestly, were more deserving. And that's not a slight to them to him, but a compliment to those other guards. Sure. Same thing for Javante Smart, right? You know, I heard a lot of arguments for him. Tyler Hero up in Wisconsin, a lot of arguments for him, especially as a Kentucky commit. People thought he would just slide in there because he was going to Kentucky. The rest right. of the, the guys, Kevin Porter, a ton of complaints on the West Coast, specifically in the Pacific Northwest. Kevin Porter, you know, the Southern Cal commit, great score. He didn't make it. Again, West Coast guy Jules Bernard with Compton Magic comes to mind as another guy who may have had a little bit of an argument. So anyway, that nothing really in the backcourt. And, and same thing with the frontcourt, Jeff. I mean, Emmett Williams, I think, you know, he had the whole legal trouble. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you can Google it. I don't want to get into it. But basically, I mean, he the charges were dropped. But the problem was the charges were, you know, everything started when the voting began. And by the time this had concluded his legal trouble it was just too late. So I think that, you know, his off the court issues may have cost him a spot in this game, which is that's just unfortunate. Expect big things from him at the college level. So, you know, maybe he's the one that has the biggest gripe because he had some off the court issues that prevented him from being in this game. But, you know, Jalen Horde in North Carolina, I'm sure you'll have some thoughts on that. Sharif O'Neal, you know, I don't know if this will make Shaq come out and, and bash McDonald's All American game on TNT and some of their late night deals there, but Sharif didn't make the game. Jalen Smith with Team Takeover, another good one. Jeez, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. Cole Swider. You know, Cole Swider may be the most productive guy in New England this year at the Nebsack schools going to Villanova. Speaking of how, man, how about him and Quinterly if they pair up in college? But anyway, yeah, I, I'm just trying to list a handful of guys, front court and back court, that maybe have a case, but you know, none really come to mind. I think the selection committee did a good job. I'm excited about these 
rosters. I just think we've got to get rid of East and West and move on. So uh, your guy, Jalen Horton, North Carolina, I know you're going to say something. Go ahead. Uh, I feel like, yeah, he this year he's just that. He's just a fringe guy. And I think he's going to be the type of player that people are going to look back in 10, 15 years and say, how, how did he not make his All-American game? And it's a proofs in the pudding kind of thing. It, he'll, he'll show what he's capable of down the road. I hope so. I mean, Wake Forest needs him to come in and be an immediate contributor. You know, obviously they've been very up and down. You just don't get breaks in these power conferences, man. I mean, the ACC schedule yeah. is obviously extremely tough. I mean, imagine, you know, being in at Wake Forest and going to Duke one night, Carolina two days later, and then you got to take a road trip to Notre Dame that weekend. I mean, it just, it does not stop in that conference. And I think that's going to be the biggest adjustment, particularly for players like Jalen Horde, who choose programs where maybe they go in as the number one option as freshmen or, or they're definitely a focal point because you have to deal with two things. One, you know, you've got to overcome the expectations and the adjustment to the game. But then two, you know, as the number one option, it's tougher to perform because you're at the top of the opponent's scouting report every single night. I mean, coaches are scheming Absolutely. how to stop you as the number one option. You know, it's one thing if you come in as a freshman and you're playing 12 to 15 minutes a game, you're, you're, you're playing solid, you might finish a couple of games, get to play the last three minutes. You might be the third or fourth offensive option to knock down open shots. You're a contributor. Yeah, you play defense, you limit your turnovers, but you come in as the number one or number two option. You're at the top of the scouting report, completely different ballgame. So we're going to find out pretty quickly. Spotlight's on you, yeah. Yeah, yeah we're going to find out pretty quickly what Jalen Horde and, and a lot of these guys in the 2018 class are made of, for sure. And that's that'll be exciting. Yeah, and then I think just touching on Sharif a little bit, I think he could have made it, and I don't think people would have had an issue with it. I think this is probably better for his mentality, though. I think this this type of thing shows that just because you are an O'Neal, even however talented you are, it's not just going to be handed to you. I mean, you got to work for it. That's a great point. You know, I, I didn't even really think about that until you brought it up, and I think you're absolutely right. You know, Sharif O'Neal has not been labeled as the toughest kid out there, right? So this this may go a long way in kind of putting a chip on his shoulder and. And any perceived entitlement that he may or may not display, you know, this is a great learning lesson for him that, you know, you don't always, it doesn't always go like you plan to. And I think it'll go a long way for him at Arizona because Arizona is loaded up with front court talent right now. Of course, I'm sure a few of those guys will go ahead and, and go early for the NBA draft, DeAndre Aton, et cetera. But he's going to have his work cut out for him. I fully expect him to be a, a major player in the Pac-12, though. I'm expecting big things from him despite not making this game. And, and so many of the guys we talked about before same thing for them expecting a lot from them as well right yeah like Cole Swider like you said just to close up uh he's I mean he's gonna go to a university that's a fit perfect for him Taylor May that the way he plays and the way he can score the ball and he'll have the green light and I think he'll de- develop into one of their top options there yeah I mean you think about it this way and maybe we can jump into this a little bit later but we're not just again two North Carolina guys here we're certainly not hyping up Villanova but I'm just excited about this class I think you've got Jalen Brunson as a junior there this year who's like I think he's mm-hmm. like 19 and five right now I mean there's in my mind he's gone right I mean, he's got to go. He was one of our top-rated guys in the 2015 class, the year we launched the Prep Insiders, and he's certainly making us look good because I think we had him higher than any other service coming out. So um, the son of Rick Brunson, if you recognize that name, he played in the NBA. But anyway, Brunson's gone. Phil Booth is a junior. More than likely, I think he'll be back, so he'll kind of assume that lead scoring role in the backcourt. Then you need a point guard, so you've got the local kid who's a freshman, Colin Gillespie. You plug Quinterly in. There's no doubt in my mind Quinterly could push for minutes and even the starting job right away as a freshman. And then you add Swider as kind of your stretch four. 
You know, you you know how Villanova plays. He can knock down shots in the half court. He can hit the trail three in transition. I mean, I, I agree. I mean, I just am very, very excited about this class for Villanova. I think it fits perfectly with the roster they already have. Yeah, absolutely. All right, moving on. Who will be next season's best college freshman that's not eligible for McDonald's All-American? Yeah, you know, we talked a little bit about this, too. So, obviously, Anthony Simons. I'm a big Simons fan. I don't hide that fact. He'll probably figure out a way to make his name into every podcast we do or or writing we do (laughs) about the 2018 class. And, And I think others are excited about him as well. I just, to me, when I watch Simons, I watch him on the travel circle with Breakdown. I saw him at the high school level. I saw him in plenty of individual settings, most notably the NBA camp this past summer in Charlottesville, Virginia. He just brings a different dynamic that Trey Jones, Garland, Quinterly, that those guys don't. I mean, he just has a different gear athletically. He can go on big runs offensively. I think all those guys we just mentioned, Garland may be a little bit more of a pure shooter, but when they get going, Simons is right there. Simons is bigger. He's stronger. He's faster. Now, he doesn't understand the game. He, you know, he kind of tends to play at one pace and kind of, you know, when he's locked into score, that's all he's going to do. He's, he's got to work to diversify mm-hmm. his game and diversify his thought process and creativeness as a point guard. But you just, the, the NBA now, the, the highest level is so geared towards those athletic guys that can put it to the floor and really make things yeah, happen. Yeah. And so, you know, you think about Trey Jones, right? Almost a carbon copy of his older brother, Tyus. Now, Tyus is having a great career in Minnesota. Minnesota. He's home where he's from, won a national championship at Duke. I think that is kind of the ceiling for Trey as well. I don't think Trey will be a starting point guard in the NBA, but I think he'll be a dominant enough college player where he leaves early. I don't think he'll be a four-year guy at Duke. I mean, if he if he was a four-year guy at Duke, he would rewrite the record books there in terms of their lead guards. <laughs> I think he's that good. So when I say that I would take Simons over him and, and Garland and Quinterly, that's more of a long-term pro perspective. I think at the college level, you know, we may see Quinterly, we may see Garland, we may see even like a Devon Dotson have better freshman seasons statistically than Simons. But four or five years down the road, I don't think I think I'll be disappointed with saying that he has the most upside of those guys. Something would have to happen, injury unrelated to basketball for that to change, I think. So he's one, obviously taking a post-grad season this year. So he'll be in college next year. You know, he's flirted around with the idea because he's a post-grad that he can skip one college year and go immediately to the NBA draft this year. So he's a guy mm-hmm. that we may not even see in college. So that maybe, you know, let me pick another one then. So let's say Simons bypasses and, and goes on to the NBA. Another guy who was wasn't eligible this year. He's played stateside quite a bit, played EYBL, his high school team. You know, he's plays at the Athlete Institute. They come to the United States quite a bit. But Ignis Brzezakis, Michigan commit, 6'8", mm. big wing, big time stroke. To me, he's like a more physical version of Nick Stauskas. Mm. He's not as pure of a shooter, but he's very capable of hitting outside shots. He's tougher in the lane. He gives you a little bit more defensively as a rebounder and just, again, the versatility. He can slide down and defend the post if he needs to. So I think he's just built for John Beeline. You know, John Beeline is not an easy coach to play for, and I mean that with the utmost respect. But I think Brzezakis is just built for him, for that system. And look at what Wagner's doing right now, right? I mean, Wagner's going to be a first-round pick. I think Brzezakis could come in there and and do this exact same type of thing at Michigan. So he'd be my pick for an impact guy in college basketball from the 2018 class that's not on this McDonald's list. 
Yeah, Brazikas is uh, definitely interesting. Uh, he he just brings you so many things on both ends, especially given his size. I mean, he can handle the ball. And even on top of the things you already mentioned, his creating ability is just incredible. Uh, I think that would be something else. He's a better creating than I recall Nick Stauskas being at the same time. So, sure. No, Stauskas can pass it. Watch, watch for. No, you're right. But Brzezikas, I mean, just up, uh, just su- supreme confidence. Unbelievable. So I didn't mean to cut Absolutely. you off, but we're on the same page with that. Yeah, no, for sure. Anyway, no, it's fine. We're moving on to Insiders 100. Our update on that 2018 storylines. So we finally got here. Here we are. All right. So Insiders 100 update again, our second to last update. We'll do a final update to kind of give bid farewell to this class in the spring. But um, it was a long time coming, man. You've been just putting in hours upon hours on this database, getting it updated. You've probably learned more about this class in two and a half weeks than anybody in the country, I think, Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably true. But hey, you put in just as much work getting it to speak to. So you and I are on the same page now. Well, good. I've seen a lot of these guys obviously traveled, followed them from middle school on. And fortunately, a lot of the guys in this McDonald's game got to see them as middle schoolers. Actually, I think I'd have to look at the list closely, but I think I saw every single one of these players, all 24 guys in middle school. So kind of a kind of a neat thing to be able to do that again. And you know, definitely some good storylines for this class. I think right at the top, obviously, how did the NCAA scandal impact recruiting? How did it impact the landscape of this class in terms of their college selections? And Louisville takes the brunt of this. I was so excited for that Anthony Simons, Courtney Ramey backcourt at Louisville. I mean, it yep. just it reminded me of 2013 all over again when you had Aiden Siva and Russ Smith and Kevin Ware, and they, were, they made that run to the national championship after Ware got hurt. I mean, I was just really, really disappointed that we will not get to see that simons Ramey backcourt. And, you know, both of those guys remain uncommitted. You know, maybe we'll get them together somewhere else. But so far, their their school choices or their alternate school to- choices since October, I should say, have, have not aligned. So I was really excited about that. We'll miss that. What else you got in the 2018 class? Well, just another thing with that whole Louisville scandal, another silver lining in all this, Brian Bowen's practicing again. Yeah. Yeah, so you're right. And I, I heard from several people, obviously here in Greensboro, North Carolina, we've got a G League team, the Swarm, and talked with some folks on their staff and kind of gotten close with some of the coaches there. And they mentioned to me that there had kind of been rumblings that Bowen's folks had reached out to the G League and was he eligible to get in there without being drafted, et cetera. But he lands with Frank Martin at South Carolina and he's down in Columbia now. So yeah, very, very interesting how that works, but great young man. You know, I'll say I've had a chance to to be around him and his family. So we used to do this thing called the Dunk Dog All-American Game that I helped run. It was part of the Chris Paul camp for about three years, and that was our first group. And, and Bowen was one of our first All-Americans that we had in eighth grade. So I've been around him a long time and gotten to know his parents. And I know there's a lot of stuff kind of floating around and rumors out there, but really wish him the best. Want to see him be successful, and I, I hope South Carolina is a good fit for him. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully, Frank Martin will be the mentor that he's really needed these last uh, over this last year. Hundred percent. All right. Uh, moving on. R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish both to Duke. Thoughts on that? Oh man. I mean, how lucky can you get? The rich get richer, right? I mean, it's just flowing right, right. now in Durham in terms of talent. 
Yeah, I mean, clearly, if Duke does not win four or five or six consecutive national championships, it's the it's the coaching staff, right? I mean, uh, <laughs> they're doing something wrong. Oh man, no, it's it's wild. I mean, R.J. Barrett and Cameron Reddish, they're going to be fun to watch. I'm really interested to see. I think with Trey Jones in the mix too, that I want to see Reddish be able to handle the ball some. I mean, he's really a point forward type, very creative off the dribble, can score it as well. There's no doubt to me that R.J. Barrett is the alpha, um, not only in that class but in the entire country i mean he just his mentality is a scorer second to none so very very special and i I think that him and reddish will be great teammates i think they'll be lifetime friends i mean i think they're a perfect match and to to bring in our number one and number two guys in the country to duke despite bagley and carter and duvall and the okafor jones winslow allen class before that i mean this this could be the best one-two punch that duke has ever had that's just scary to think about yeah, especially given the talent that they've had over the last two to three years. But I think it's interesting just looking at this team from on paper, how many ball handlers they have on, on the floor at the same time. I mean, if you're playing your three best players, Trey Jones, R.J. Barrett, and Cam Reddish, you got three guys that can create a shot extremely well. I mean, R.J. obviously probably the best out of the three, but Reddish can create for himself extremely well, and Trey Jones can play with or without the ball. And I mean, I think they have a recipe for success, especially if they keep building off what they already have. Yeah, sure. I mean, those guys are going to be put in a position very early, like we talked about as freshmen, where they're going to be counted on to be the guys, but I think all those guys are capable. You've got to think Bagley's gone. Wendell Carter's probably gone. Grayson Allen's sure. a senior. Duvall is having a comparable year to what Frank Jackson had. A lot of people thought Jackson would come back, and he didn't, so maybe Duvall's gone too. I mean, he's he's a first rounder if he leaves. So Coach K was smart. I think a lot of people questioned that Joel, that Jordan Goldwire move, but I'll tell you what, we saw Jordan Tucker transfer. The the other two Georgia guys that nobody really talked about, Goldwire and O'Connell are getting a lot of minutes for Duke, and right. they're going to be yeah. counted on in that backcourt next year with, with Trey Jones, Barrett, and Reddish for sure. And then, you know, you would assume Bolden's back for his junior year and, and plays even a more of a predominant role in the front court for him. So yeah, I mean, obviously things rolling in Durham as they have for the last several years. They'll be right back in the mix next year. Yeah. Oh, quick thing on uh, Jordan Tucker. Just recently saw that he was going to Butler and as excited as I was to see him at Duke, I think he'll be very interesting at Butler and he can definitely emerge to a number one option for them. He's just a great shooter, great scorer. See how that'll balance out for them. I agree. You know, it's about fit, obviously, and I think he was smart in terms of saying, you know, I don't necessarily need to go to another blue blood school. I just want to go to a program where I can have an opportunity and, and certainly he'll have that at Butler. So I, I agree completely there as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So big topic, Zion Williamson, everybody's got an opinion about him. What do you think? Is he, uh, in our rankings, we have him fifth, third wing forward, fifth overall. What do you think? Do you think that's that's appropriate, too high, too low? Who is he as a player? I mean, Oh, gosh. Here, yeah, here, here comes the hate mail because I can't figure this one out. Right? Oh. I mean, I so there's, there's certain guys every year that I kind of latch on to and just write a big question mark beside. To me, it's about what you do that translates right so what does Zion Williamson what do we see him do in a game where he's dominating you know five ten players and guys that are one one hundredth of of an athlete that he is but we have as scouts and evaluators we've got to go out in the gym and watch with a different perspective all the high-flying dunks and the power that he plays with you know how much of that is actually going to translate to the collegiate level and potentially to the pro level and the the thing is I just don't know you know I, I tend to think two ways all right one again what translates to the system that you pick 
pick? What do you do that translates within that system? So, you know, heavy Clemson lean, if he goes to Clemson, obviously Clemson could rewrite their whole offense for him. I don't I don't think that we'll we'll see Clemson do much of the same type of style this year. I mean, I think we'll see a lot more isolation for him. I think they'll try to sure. use I think they'll try to use him as a mismatch in the post. I think when big guys guard him, they'll try to isolate him on the wing, similar to what Duke did with Jason Tatum. I think you'll you'll see a lot of isolation, like pro style offense around Zion Williamson if he goes to Clemson. So, you know, I think that in, in some cases you would say, okay, what do you do to translate? In his case, he's a dynamic, a big enough recruit where they're going to change around what they do for him. That would be my suggestion anyway. I hope they do that. So the third thing is, okay, now that we figured this out, who is he? And I think guys that you can't give a player comparison for are either hit or miss, right? I mean, when we saw take the best player in the game right now, LeBron, right? When LeBron came out of high school, it's like, oh man, he's not quite magic. He's not quite Jordan. Like he is, he's an iconic <laughs> player. LeBron was LeBron the same One way. Of a kind. Yeah. Magic was magic. Jordan was Jordan. Kobe was Kobe. Zion is not in that category and no offense to the young man. He's, he's very, very talented, but he's not in a category of his Absolutely. own. And so I, I just worry about it. I, I don't really know. To me, he's not a great shooter. I think that you have to be a great shooter to play at the highest level. I think on the college level, he'll have plenty of success. I mean, I think he's very comparable to what Michael Beasley was. I think he's a tweener. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Michael Beasley put up unbelievable numbers, double-double and X amount of games. I think we'll see that. It, it is literally, it would be easy, and I this is how talented Zion Williamson is, it would be easy for Zion Williamson to average 15 and 10 in the ACC as a freshman. He can do that. That Absolutely. is that is not out yeah. of the question. Um, you know, he shoots free throws at a decent rate. I see him getting to the line, again, driving the lane, being in the post. So he'll have ample opportunities to score and rebound the ball at the next level. That's where it gets tougher for him. And I've said this time and time again, the G League is full of world class athletes. The NBA is full is full of guys that can shoot the basketball. Absolutely. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I just feel like there's going to be guys in this class that develop those one or two skills that allow them to be better pros than Zion. But I think where we have him at five is a great statement that. We 100% respect his resume as a high school player. We acknowledge the fact that he'll have success at the college level, but also we have him a little bit lower than everybody else just to say that there are some unanswered questions about his game and we just we don't want to ignore those or overlook those. Sure. Uh, I will say I did see Zion probably at the the peak of his media hype, if you will. And last it was last year at Chick Fil A Classic, and I mean he was just shutting the gym down. He was amazing, but he was he's click like he's good for clicks and for views and for videos because he he can do what other people simply can't. And as far as a basketball player, like you said going to be tougher for him to translate because he doesn't shoot it well enough to play on the perimeter as we have him listed as a wing forward he's not really big enough to like height wise to really be able to do that and just use his force his strength just to get inside whatever he wants he is a very underrated passer but wherever he goes i think that they're going to have to retool their system to kind of fit to how he plays and who knows maybe he might develop a jump shot that is more than formidable and he could be somewhere between a cross of like a michael beasley and is obviously these are high caliber guys, but Larry Johnson, I mean, that's kind of what his game like seems like to me. Sure. And then, you know, you asked the question, 
Larry Johnson. That's a dated reference, man. I'm surprised a guy your age is making a Larry Johnson comparison. But you know, <laughs> the old the old Charlotte Hornets UNLV days, would Zion Williamson's game would Larry Johnson be an all star in today's game? You know, I mean that's that's the other question we can ask. I don't want to yeah, get too far down to that, but sure. but it is it is interesting. Like you said, the the media hype and the fact that he is so fun to watch on video. I mean, and who wouldn't like it? I love it, right? I love just seeing a high school guy yeah, just absolutely. I mean, just dunking all over guys' heads. It is fun. It's exciting, you know, but the the question is, is like, think about a couple years ago out of our state, Quayshawn Parker, right? Great athlete, needed to develop his skill set. Is he going to fall into more of that category or is he going to be a guy who really gets in the gym and works on his game, ignores all the hype and and figures out what translates and what doesn't? So we'll follow that closely. I I think it's a good topic to to follow. And, you know, I think we've we've talked about it enough for, (laughs) for now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And jury's still out on Clay Parker. But anyway, moving on, Vanderbilt, they uh, they have a chance to do something special this upcoming year. Let's uh, talk about their class a little bit. They got uh, two two of the top 10 recruits, I believe, and Darius Garland and Simi Shitu. Yeah, two of the top 10 guys at their position for sure. Shitu, just amazing motor. I mean, Simi Shitu is Tyler Hansborough. I mean, that, that's really who he is. I mean, he just, <laughs> he plays with an unbelievable amount of energy. He is just a... Uh, I mean, he's a guy that converts 80% around the rim. He's an unbelievable player, unbelievable energy guy. Can't say enough about him. I mean, he's just going to be instant impact. He's going to give Vanderbilt something that they've never had before. And then you got a local guy with a chance to be a hometown hero. I mean, Vanderbilt right there in Nashville, and they pull the Nashville kid out who's an All-American and Darius Garland. I mean, it just fell into their lap. It worked out that way. You've got two very, very talented players, a great one-two punch inside out, and then and potentially if they add Romeo Langford to that, I mean, that class just becomes a blockbuster class. And then they've got a guy that you've talked a lot about regionally here in the Carolinas, South Carolina native Aaron Naismith, who signed with them, who by all accounts in most years would be like the guy that the Vanderbilt staff was most excited about. And now he potentially goes in as the fourth option in their freshman class. So history being made, I mean, anchor up, anchor down. I don't know what they do in Nashville, but the <laughs> Commodores should be excited. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh... Even with the class they already have, even if they don't have Langford, I mean, there's there's a lot of reason to be excited next next season. So Vanderbilt definitely one to watch out for. Same with 2018 class. Who do you think would be the most underrated in your opinion? I mean, what are we talking? Like, I think on our list right now, I'll just take maybe some guys in our top 100 that are not as high on other lists as they are on ours, particularly. Sure. You know, and it's hard. We could talk about guys outside of the top 25 positional because obviously our rankings go top 25 per position and top 100 nationally. And we could maybe hit on a few guys outside of those lists, but let's just stay within the top 100 for now. So I'll say, yeah, I think Tayshawn Cherry on the West Coast is a guy who deserves more credit than he gets. Um, You know, Bull Bull is extremely talented. Jordan Brown, extremely talented. I don't know that Tayshawn Cherry is quite in the category of those two, but he's still very, very versatile. You look at his resume. He, he's played in one big high school games. He's got a he's got a winner's resume. He won Peach Jam this summer as a key contributor, I believe, the leading scorer for the Oakland Soldiers. Yep. So you know he's a guy in my mind that it kind of gets overlooked because he's not the flashiest. He's not the guy that's jumping out of the gym, but he's the guy that can consistently make big shots. And it's not just the fact he's a shooter; he's a clutch shooter. Now I'm not mm-hmm. going to sit here and say he's going to be Robert Ory Part Two, right? 
right? But he does <laughs> he does remind you a little bit of that in terms of his body type and versatility. He can get out. He needs to get a little bit quicker laterally, but he can get out and kind of hedge hard on ball screens. He can roll down. He's strong enough and big enough body wise to defend the paint. You know, he's really kind of a three stretch four at the next level. But, you know, there's a ton of guys in California that I hear others talking about. And I mean, others as in colleagues in our peer group amongst the media. And Tayshaun Cherry just never seems to be one of those first three or four guys mentioned. And I I think he's deserving of that. So anyway, we probably have him a little higher in the, I think right around 30, definitely a consensus top 50 guy that we have probably 10 or 20 spots higher than most people. And then in Chicago, I mean, I haven't seen a season at Simeon that Taylor Horton Tucker is having in quite some time. I mean, all the guys that have come through there, Jabari Parker, the Derrick Roses. Uh, I don't know that Taylor Horton Tucker has the profile of those guys, but the interesting thing is, mm-hmm. you know, I owe the soon moves. Everybody says he's a McDonald's snub, right? Well, th- there's a lot of people in Chicago that I've talked to right now that would argue Taylor Horton Tucker is having a better season. I mean, Iowa, sure. Iowa State really has a gem in this kid. I know he's a guy that, that you like as well, but the more I went back and kind of checked in on him, did some research, followed up on some notes from this summer. I mean, he's just, he's really exploded. And again, you talk about fit, perfect fit for Iowa State and the roster is going to be conducive for him to go in there as a freshman, I think, and, and put up numbers. So he's one. And then lastly, I'll just go Iowa. I'll say Joe Weiskamp. Joe Weiskamp was, I th- I thought, one of the more underappreciated players at the NBA Top 100 camp. I thought he proved at that event that he can play with the best of the best, play with Iowa Barnstormers on the circuit. Him and A.J. Green were two of my favorite players to watch. A.J. Green, obviously, going to Northern Iowa. So I would watch out for those two. I, th- I think we're going to look back in four years at that Iowa Barnstormers backcourt of A.J. Green and Joe Weiskamp and say, man, you know, we – we got lucky to be able to watch those guys play together for five bucks. Yeah, definitely. That, I mean, that, that was an interesting group for sure. There's countless debate on that. Taylor Horton Tucker, just real quick on him. You see, Iowa State going to Iowa State. I think he's got a little more uh, voice white in his game. He'll, but with the mentality for for everything, I think he'll be interesting there. He should fit well. But moving on, um, the five man classes at Michigan and Michigan State. Yeah, we, we touched a little bit on this already, right? So Ignis Brzezakis at Michigan, I, th- I think he's the headliner. Brandon Johns, David DeJulius, two in state recruits signed with Michigan. Obviously, they played at a high level, both contributors and, and played experienced success at the EYBL level on the Nike circuit. You know, Brandon Johns, a nice stretch for reliable rebounder. David Julius is going to be the starting point guard at Michigan before he graduates. Khalid Castleton, kid in Florida, a lot of potential again, just perfect fit for John Beeline. Great recruiting there by their staff. And then Adrian Nunez, who's at St. Thomas More up in the New England area. And, and I just like guys that come out of the NEPSAC. I think they're some of the most tested in the country. They play a hard schedule. They play a physical schedule. They play against older players, you know, in the postgraduate system up there. So really excited about Michigan's five-man class. It's just so rare to see, you know, one class have five guys and to think that Michigan and Michigan State, the two big rivals, each have five players coming in. There's a lot of storylines with that. I mean, you think about DeJulius at Michigan and then Foster Lawyer, play with all Ohio, I think had the national record for consecutive free throws made. Like those two battling in-state in high school, a lot of debate in Michigan, who's the top point guard, and then they'll suit up for rival colleges in-state. It's kind of a neat storyline. Same thing with Brandon Johns 
and Marcus Bingham. So Marcus Bingham, uh, Catholic Central there in Grand Rapids, him and Brandon Johns. A lot of people talk about who's the best front court player. And then, you know, Michigan State, they've got Gabe Brown. Gabe Brown could be a tremendous player. This kid just keeps on growing. I think when I saw him as a freshman, he was like maybe 6'4 or something. He's pushing 6'8, six, 6'9 six, now. I mean, I don't, he could be like how Mike Dunleavy was at Duke, where he, he got in there and grew three inches. I mean, Gabe Brown just, I don't even know where his ceiling is. I mean, he can really shoot it because he's grown. You know, I would I list him as a three as an underclassman. It's not the question that he becomes a stretch four at Michigan State because he just continues to grow. Thomas Keithier, he's a guy who, another in-state guy, Dakota High School there, big body, strong guy. He'll bring some toughness to that team, high level of skill to kind of compensate maybe for his lack of athleticism. And then Aaron Henry as a guy I love too out of um, Indianapolis, real tough guy at Ben Davis High School, won a state championship there. Again, just winner mentality to the locker room. No doubt that those five are names we're going to be talking about in March Madness two or three years from now because Izzo always has the Spartans ready to go. So some impact guys. I think Marcus Bingman Jr. having the highest upside of, of that group. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, one thing you can look at with these programs, both of them, they, they know what they like to recruit and that's evidence is clear with the classes that they just brought or they're about to bring in. They're tailor-made for Michigan and Michigan State. So no surprise there. All right, let's talk about the uh, Providence backcourt versus the Stanford backcourt. A.J. Reeves and David Duke versus uh, Cormac Ryan and Bryce Wills. Yeah, I told you, you know, when we were talking about rankings and kind of going over this stuff, something that really jumped off the page to me was the Providence backcourt. So A.J. Reeves and David Duke, two kind of highly touted freshmen coming in there, both New England guys. They're just going to be great players for the Friars. I mean, I, I don't think they're quite as good as Chris Dunn. I, okay, they're, they're not as good as Chris Dunn, I'll just be honest, but <laughs> but they're both guys that can be four-year contributors and really help take Providence to the next level. And the reality is, you only have one Chris Dunn. You get A.J. Reeves and David Duke in this class. And True. one thing that we talked about was, I love what Jared Haas and those guys are doing at Stanford. I mean, to get Cormac Ryan and to get Bryce Wills, I think two of the more underrated players in the Northeast, obviously both academic inclined and, and focused young men. So here's the question, right? Here's the question I pose. Let's look over the next four years. We have A.J. Reeves and David Duke ranked higher than Cormac Ryan and Bryce Wills. And this is why that may need to be reevaluated because I think in the next four years, when we look back, Stanford, that backcourt at Stanford with Cormac Ryan and Bra- Bryce Wills in the Pac-12 will win more games than A.J. Reeves and David Duke in that Providence backcourt. So that's a big statement because those are two guys that are going to lead those respective teams. Now, I'll say statistically that Reeves may have the better career of of those four guys. I mean, David Duke is just a great passer. He's going to be a setup man for A.J. Reeves, and A.J. Reeves is going to benefit from that tremendously. But I can really see Stanford playing Bryce Wills on the ball. Cormac Ryan is kind of a specialist, a la the uh, old Stanford Casey Jacobson days. Some great video, by the way, if you're a young guy listening to this, Casey Jacobson at Stanford. Anyway, I just see I see that Stanford backcourt having a lot of success in the Pac-12 as well. So again, I'd say statistically, A.J. Reeves of those four, probably the better numbers. The two backcourts, I'm going to lean Stanford. I think Stanford will win some games out there and probably more than Providence over the next four years. No knock, just a big compliment to Stanford basketball. It's a bold statement. Stanford, I know, I know. Hot take, Stanford hot take. Next four years. Hot take, that's right. 
All right, moving on. Uh, let's talk a little Mr. Basketball. Let's start with uh, the Hoop State itself, Devon Dotson, Kobe White. Man, this is your argument. Look, I've got no preference. Devon Dotson, tremendous player, obviously a point guard going to Kansas, Bill Self. I, you know, I hate that ACC country let this kid get out of state, but he's going to have a big-time career in the Big 12. I, I think he's got pro potential. To me, he is the most cerebral, smooth point guard in this class. He just makes it look so easy. Obviously, he has that winning resume too with Team Charlotte. They won a couple Under Armour titles. And then you got Kobe White, who is just a flat-out bucket getter. I mean, the guy can put the ball in the basket. He hits tough shots. He hits clutch shots. He scores the ball at all three levels. You know, for a guy that's not necessarily a top two or three percent athlete. I mean, he's a great athlete, but I think there's guards that are more explosive. He really is a good finisher around the rim. So, you know, I'll let you take it from here. The the Dotson White, I could go, it's a toss up. We've got Dotson just a few spots higher right now. And then you got Jairus Hamilton and Leaky Black, you know, down in Charlotte as well. Nobody in this state seems to have a consensus or can make up their mind on who's better. So the floor is yours, sir. All righty. Well, I'll see what I can uh, take up. But uh, personally, between Kobe and Devon, I go Kobe just because I look at the whole bigger picture of what he's done with Les. Devon is going to be the Frank Mason replica at Kansas. I think that was a good reason why this Bill Self was on him from the start. I think it was almost too perfect. It was a mirror image of one another. And people are going to say Frank was uh, light years ahead of him defensively, but Devon can really hold his own. And, and he's got that same frame and the same poise and just that dog. It, it, you can't talk enough about the dog, the, the things you can't see without watching the game, you know, like you can't see it in the stats. But Kobe is just a different breed. I mean, he's got NBA level scoring ability today. And I mean, he can walk out on any basketball floor with any given talent and score 30 points. He can wake up, walk out of bed and get 20. I mean, he's the type of guy he can really, and he's, he's just gotten so much better and more efficient from all areas. And he's gotten stronger along the way. So Kobe's just, I mean, he's, he's going to be North Carolina's all-time points getter after this season. He's already, I believe he's already broken the record. And that's after setting, I think he had 2,000 points last year. So, I mean, it's a tough argument for some. I, I think Kobe gets a nod. Just, he's, they're winning, and he's doing everything to score every point possible. And, and he's not being selfish while doing it, too. I mean, if you watch the games, Elijah McCadden, Trey Pittman, all the guys on that squad, they're heavily involved. Wow, that was that was uh, quite the name drop right there from the Greenfield School roster. Uh, So I'll tell you this. Can we at least agree consensus that those two were the most deserving pair in North Carolina and they were both awarded with the McDonald's game selections, obviously. So I don't I think that part is at least right. And, you know, again, whoever you choose, what have you, who knows? Maybe we'll get to see them go head to head. Let's take a look. Are they on opposite team? Yeah, they're on opposite teams. Kobe for the East team and Dotson for the West team again. Uh, that's my huge. That'll be a good Just subplot. Stop with the East and West McDonald's. Stop it. Stop it. Anyway, go ahead. Let's team together. Yeah. So, no, I mean, you can't, you really can't go wrong. It's just both guys are great. Both are going to be hopefully incredible college players and hopefully great pros. But then moving on to Jarius Hamilton and Leaky Black. That's definitely like another one. Uh, I think obviously we we didn't touch on Jalen Horde. He's I feel like supplanted himself definitely as that third piece between these two that we're talking about these two pairs. But Jarius Hamilton has all the tools in the world to be a pro. I mean, he's he's got such a great round rounded game. He just has to put it all together. And, and once he does, I mean, watch out. And I think Boston College 
they can get that out of them. They they got an incredible steal. But um, I think Leaky kind of has of a defined from game to game what he's going to give you and his vision is great and he's just got that length i just think it's just like like jarius that dog's just got to get pulled out of him and i just think he's got to get stronger and he's got to kind of refine his tools and see if he can uh, become a plus shooter and if he can't then he's just going to really have to work personality he, wise uh, you could not have two more opposite guys right i mean you talk about oh, hamilton and leaky so we know carolina is going to win games right i mean obviously they're going to have a talented roster completely agree with you said about leaky i love the you you did the analytics drop too what everybody will come to know about jeff is jeff is a huge numbers guy which i like because it brings a different dynamic to how we evaluate so when he says a plus shooter i'm like i love it it's the it's the complete analytics drop there but let me ask you this i didn't even catch that we need a hot take from you now okay so again we know carolina's gonna win games does jarius hamilton have a better career at boston college than the two current north carolina guys on the roster which is kyron bowman from Fayetteville and Jerome Robinson from Raleigh, who I think are one and two on that team in scoring right now. Yes, I think so. Wow. Now, is that individually um, or team wins or both? Both. Oh, okay. All right. There you have it. That's hot take. I, I, I'm, yeah, that's, that's about as hot as it gets. I think Jarius is going to um, pretty much not retool his games, but refine it to the point where he can just dominate a game. And I think there's never been a question of his tools and his talent level. It's just been as will he put it all together? And I think that he'll finally be in a situation that hopefully would be favorable for him to do so. And yeah, hopefully that reflects in their wins. And I can't imagine it wouldn't. Well, don't quote me on this because I haven't done all of my research, but I did read somewhere that he is the highest recruit the Boston College has had in the current coaching era and the highest uh, or the only top 100 recruit since Craig Smith. So first of all, Boston College should have never got rid of Al Skinner. We already know that. Let's just save that conversation for another podcast. But that being said, Craig Smith had huge numbers, uh, long-time NBA career. And, you know, maybe Jerry's Hamilton's game is more similar to, like, a Jared Dudley. He's just got to get that jump shot. But Jared Dudley was kind of an inside-outside guy where Craig Smith was more strictly inside. But I think we'll see Hamilton using very similar Boston College to the way Williamson is used in college, where it may be Clemson or somewhere else. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, I think I think um, whoever he like, whatever he's going to be doing on the floor, I think they're going to try to feature him in a lot of different roles with without the ball, posting up smaller guys. I, I think the fact that his he stands six eight and he can handle the ball, or he can go down low and post up or work out of the high block and within three or four dribbles or whatever you have you i mean he's so versatile offensively he can get it in so many different ways that really causes problems for opponents I you, mean, you see him as the number one option no doubt. yeah yeah okay all right fair enough so what we got all right what's so, up um i think yeah that, that was uh no that was good i think we uh we hit north carolina minute period there so let's move on to california who do you think is the uh, best backcourt talent in california Oh, wow. I mean, don't put me on the spot or anything here. Goodness. So I, I think, again, and this is one of those things we talked about, Tayshawn Cherry, earlier. I just think there's a lot of guys on this list, um, and I don't think anybody really knows. I mean, Jules Bernard is probably our highest rated, play with Compton Magic on the Adidas circuit, headed to UCLA. But they've got another player, David Singleton, who played with Belmont Shore, you know, Dino Stragonis. Singleton's out of Bishop Montgomery, another big-time high school, great high school resume, won a lot of games, really, really filled it up with Belmont Shore on the circuit. Um, he signed with UCLA. So you know, UCLA has two guys that do a lot of the same things there. And then on that same Belmont Shore team, you've got Bryce Hamilton, who's was it out of Pasadena, who UNLV thinks may lead their team in scoring one day. And I don't think that Dino Dino Stragonis would take a hard line on who his better player was, Hamilton or Singleton. So 
you've got those two guys. And then here's a sleeper, though, Matt Bradley. And you were laughing because I wasn't at this game. I saw him play this summer, but you were like, is that the guy who tried to fight Compton Magic? that, That video I know went viral. But so Matt, California native, he leaves, goes to Wasatch Academy in Utah. He'll come back, though. He's signed with Cal Berkeley. Cal has a lot of underclassmen guards right now, but I think he can challenge them all for minutes. And uh, he is a scorer. So, you know, maybe Matt Bradley emerges as the guy who's the the most talented backcourt prospect. I just feel like historically, California always gets screwed up in terms of the evaluation. And I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about everybody. I think coverage has gotten better. But when you think like Russell Westbrook, not highly regarded, right? Damian Lillard up in Northern Northern California goes to Weber State, not highly regarded out of Oakland. Paul George completely missed at Fresno State. I mean, we're talking about three NBA All-Stars. Why can we not get California straight? And I think the reason is California is basically three states. I mean, you've got Southern California, the Los Angeles area. You've got Northern California, Oakland, Sacramento, et cetera. And now San Diego is putting out so much talent. I mean, you think about San Diego, DeAndre Ayton, Jalen Hands that's at UCLA now, TJ Leaf that was at UCLA came out of that area. I mean, there's almost three regions in California. We need to just treat them all separately and figure it out. So while I think the coverage and media has gotten better, I just, you never know. I mean, California is always a complete toss up in terms of what guys are going to come out of the woodwork. There's so many hoopers out there it's crazy and we haven't gotten it right yet maybe one day <laughs> absolutely maybe all right uh what about michigan uh, foster lawyer and david julius mr basketball there oh well so maybe neither one of them right i think foster has probably won more games in his high school career multiple state championships you know we touched on this earlier just in terms of that five-man class at michigan and michigan state oh you know who i forgot so right Pause on that. I, I don't. I don't know. I, I think both of them will be starting guards. I think that a Foster being behind Cassius Winston probably has a little bit harder track to become a starter and put up numbers. I think DeJulius will probably play more minutes earlier. So let's just leave it at that. But forgot about Notre Dame's five man class too. You made me think of that. Oh right. When we brought it up. But Nate Lazuski, Prentice Hub. Robbie Carbondy, Dane Goodwin's in that class. Oh, and then Chris Doherty, too. So Lazuski and Doherty, like childhood friends, grew up in Massachusetts together. I mean, they're going to bring that New England toughness. Doherty's more the bruiser. Uh, Lazuski's more the skilled guy. I mean, they're going to be perfect together. Prentice Hub, you know, I know he's missed this season with the injury at Gonzaga, but he was a guy that going, you know, prior to the injury, going into the spring and summer, people thought would have a chance to maybe be a McDonald's guy, too. I mean, he was on a huge upward trajectory. And then you got Carmody and Goodwin, who, you know, you, we've seen how Notre Dame loves to play three guards I and mean, the success that they've had with that. So I, I don't think it's out of the question for these five guys to all be on the court together at once. And, you know, the freshman now, DJ Harvey, eventually will become the leader of that team, I'm sure, too. You got TJ Gibbs, who's the sophomore over there. So this group has some big shoes to fill in the ACC, but that's another five man class. So not to detract from the Michigan conversation, but I wanted to mention Notre Dame before before we finished up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Notre Dame right there with the other two. Know, know what they want. They know how to recruit what they want. No question. All right, but back with the uh, the Michigan. So Foster, David. Yeah, I, so I think over the period of four years, man, those are two good classes. I'll say this. I, I think that 
we'll see some of those Michigan State guys leave early. I, I really think the NBA scouts are going to get enamored with Bingman, and I think he'll have an opportunity to leave. Um, Brzezakis can put up numbers and leave early, but I think he's going to be a two-year guy minimally, probably three. So, you know, I'll go mm-hmm. lawyer. I think that, uh, and the reason is this, the reason I'll go lawyer is I think that Michigan State will have more team success, and that'll put him into the national spotlight more. This is not Drew Neitzel, guys. I mean, we're not we're not talking about a guy who's going to average like 22 a game, and Michigan State's not going to have anybody else on their roster. Like that's that's not who we're talking about. We're talking about a guy who's going to come in there and be very similar to Cassius Winston, play a role and know when and how to get guys the ball. And Michigan State's going to benefit from that. So yeah, there you go. Hot take number man. We're getting all kinds of hot takes. What's that? Three or four now? Hey. First TPI podcast. Got to have some hot takes. Got to get people back. No question. Um, so let's see. Last, Mr. Basketball. Landers Nolly versus the world in Georgia. This is your guy, man. I'll let you take this. I just told you that I was very curious based on the numbers that they were putting up. So our guy, Marcus Burnett, down at SUV TV, does a little um, like TV slash podcast as well. And, you know, him and his group brought up a great point that with the numbers Landers Nolly is putting up, is it possible Reggie Perry and EJ Montgomery that have already been nominated and selected for the McDonald's game don't win Georgia Mr. Basketball and Landers Nolly does because the numbers he's put up. And you got to remember some some big time guys left. I mean, Will Richardson was there who's at Oak Hill now. He was at Oregon. So He's committed to Oregon. So anyway, it, it seems like a wide open race. You still got Kayvon Moore down there. We've actually moved Nolly ahead of Kayvon Moore in our rankings now. So yeah, Georgia, again, talent. And it's not just concentrated in Atlanta. It's really all over the state this year. Uh, it's pretty exciting to watch all these guys. So anyway, that's my take on Landers Nolly. I just thought it was an interesting fact to bring up that, you know, with the numbers he's putting up, he may win Georgia Mr. Basketball ahead of a couple other McDonald's All-Americans. Buzz Williams loves his shooters too. And and, and Nale, Chicago kid, originally has some toughness. So that's all I got. That's all the tidbits I got. What do you think? I mean, I, I tend to agree. I, I think he can definitely win it just simply from the fact that if he goes to a state championship and wins it without Will and does it by himself and kind of goes through the whole pecking order of things. I mean, the guy is unbelievable scorer. I mean, he's very similar to like a Kobe White in, in terms of how he gets it done. And But he's just, he can really go. He's got all the tools. And I think over the last, I think he, he just came back from injury three games ago and he's already had 120 points in those three. So averaging 40 over any type of span is just impressive. Yikes. And Wow. I mean, you know how the competition is down there. So I, I think well, I, I would, I'd be interested in seeing Landers win it. Yeah, well, I'll tell you this. When we get to Virginia Tech, we'll figure out how quickly he can become a primary option. And the ACC is no small task. So uh, we'll follow him. It'll be interesting to see if he becomes one of the sleepers in this 2018 class long term. Um, what do you got before we go? One more thing, maybe. All right, last thing. Just kind of talking about the direction basketball is headed nowadays. Obviously, more up speed and a lot more shooting. Uh, so we only had six traditional centers on our Insiders 100 list. Or let's just touch on that a little bit. Absolutely right. I mean, that's the whole deal, right? College shot clock now down to 30 seconds. Teams taking more threes. Teams playing faster. I mean, Jaleel Okafor is a great example. One of the top-rated guys in the um, 13 class. And then now, or 14 class rather, and then now we see the difference, right? We see how college, he had some success, but he wasn't necessarily the main option. And now at the pro level, you know, he's struggling, just big body, struggles to get up and down the court. The game is just so athletic and so fast paced now because that's what puts people in the seats. People don't want to see 
fans do not want to see 30-point defensive struggles for the most part. I mean, fans want to nobody, see... Nobody wants to go see Memphis. Yeah, people want to see Golden State and Rockets. Wins. Yeah, people want to go see the yep. Warriors and the Rockets get in a shootout and score 150 points each. So the, the, the traditional center is dying, and it's it's led to the evolution of guys like Nowitzki and now Porzingis and Giannis. And so the game is... Yeah, the game is changing. I mean, so a lot of these big body guys that would have dominated 20 years ago and been on our list and high on our list are not there anymore. And, you know, we've adapted as the game has evolved. We've evolved our way of evaluating. So adapt or die, as they say. But, you know, Bo Bowl, Moses Brown, David McCormick, Cartier Gordon, Daniel Oturu, and Brian Penn Johnson deserving of top 100. And they're there. And absolutely. the rest of those 25 guys will monitor them throughout college, but I just I didn't feel like they are going to be able to make a big enough impact immediately to to be within that group. So we'll see if we're right or wrong. Time will tell. Yeah, absolutely. I, hey, I, one quick note. I do think to look for just hasn't gotten a fair shake yet. I think he's still got minutes in him. Man, save that for your NBA podcast. You know I don't know anything about that. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, it is, we're getting a rare snowstorm in North Carolina. So I'm going to go shovel some snow and I'm getting out of here. Jeff, appreciate your time. TPI podcast. We'll be back with another episode soon. Thanks as always for listening. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. 